0: Today's program has been brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit HeritageFoodsUSA.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more.
1: Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host Sherry Bayer, and we're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, March 5th, and this is the ninth show of this series, which is dedicated to behind the scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today we're going to be talking food photography with two special guests, and as I do on every show, I will have my PR tip, speed round questions, restaurant news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip off the show with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to be prepared with photos. Yes, there is a theme for this episode. Photography is very important in PR. Photos tell a story, and people love visuals. I always tell my new restaurant clients that we will need great photos of the food, the space, chefs, owners, etc. as soon as they are photo ready. And by this, I don't mean photos that I can take with my iPhone, even though my phone does take pretty good pictures. I mean we will need professional photos so that when the media requests a high resolution shot of the space for an article, I can send it to them right away. Most media publications don't have staff photographers to send to photo shoots, and they are relying on the restaurants to supply their own photography. So it's important to have professional photos available so you don't miss opportunities. And you can use these photos for other marketing purposes, your website and more. They'll be useful, trust me. So that's my tip, get the best photos. And if you need a reference, keep on listening. As I'm so excited, because today I have two amazing freelance photographers on the show both of whom I've met and become friendly with through the industry. My first guest is Melissa Holm, a food restaurant interior and portrait photographer born and raised in New York City. She was named New York Magazine's first staff photographer in its 40-plus year history in 2006. She is known to add fresh original visuals to the magazine and website, which receives over 1.1 million viewers monthly. Melissa also works as an independent photographer. She has received honorable mentions from the International Photography Awards, and her client list ranges from Glamour to GQ to National Geographic to Wine Spectator and the New York Times. She is a graduate of NYU and self-taught in photography. Now, my second guest is Ken Goodman. He is a freelance photographer based in New York City who focuses mainly on food, chefs, rock concerts, and celebrity events. His images have appeared in publications such as The Wall Street Journal, Edible Manhattan, Gotham Magazine, and Art Culinaire. Ken also specializes in cookbook photography, including critically acclaimed Wicked Good Barbecue, and the James Beard Award-nominated Come In Were Closed. Prior to his career in, in photography, Ken spent 20 years in the restaurant industry as a classically trained chef and restaurant consultant. He has a culinary degree from Johnson & Wales. So welcome, guys! Thanks for coming out.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Uh,
1: I, you know, I when I was come wanted to do this show on photography. I, I was thinking it would be great to have both of you because, well, I think you both are fabulous. For one, and two, you have different angles. Uh, where can you do a little more of the culinary event side, and Melissa a l- more print work from from what I see. Mm-hmm. So let's let's start just with your backgrounds because it seems you're both it was more was it more of a hobby that got you interested in photography it wasn't that or did you set out it wasn't that you were growing up and you said i want to be a photographer when i when i <laughs> no get no no it,
2: it was never our goal um but I don't think anyone gets forced into photography no one you know is pushed into it but um I actually studied journalism. I was setting out to be a food journalist when I, halfway through, I decided I really liked the visual story more. So that's when I, I finished my degree, but I really delved into photography halfway through.
1: Well, I think photographers and you, you have an eye for it for sure. So, um, as you were, you know, what, how did you get started then beyond just taking photos for yourself or getting some freelance work?
2: I just really started shooting. I was the the avid, annoying photographer who wouldn't let you, your friend, who wouldn't let you touch your food until I took a million pictures of it. And, I mean, it was really a humble beginning, but it was a lot of fun. So it really started there. And then when food photos weren't turning out the way that I remembered, because, you know, restaurant lighting is notoriously terrible, it's really yellow, I started reading books. I just started looking up how to do it right. I started gathering the equipment on my the small, the small budget that I had.
1: Right. Well, you were way ahead of the curve because I think now everyone's <laughs> taking photos of their food. Uh, but this was, this was back. When did you, when did you
2: Probably start Probably back this? in 2003, 2002, before, you know, before blogs really took off, like the, the people were starting, they still had Blogspot platforms right. and Zango was around and this is before, you know, I mean, Facebook was, wasn't nearly where it was now. Instagram didn't exist, nor did Twitter. I don't think face. I don't. I don't know what year exactly <laughs> Facebook
1: came out, but you're right. Like these
2: are the these are all new new mm-hmm. tools so, we now so use. So there were all no the outlets for it really for right. digital photography. I mean, it was just for you to keep in your own computer and to to look at fondly. Right. But uh, I I just really wanted to. To get the photos right because you know you're grow up with food magazines and you see like what photos should look like but when you take a photo of your own chow mein it doesn't look like that
1: right yeah i hear you and what about you ken how did you what was your your i had um, switch over to photography how'd that happen i had
3: no desire um, to be a photographer it never came up (laughs) and and um, what i was doing was i was taking pictures at dinner parties in 2009 hoping I could drum up like a side business as like a party planner or something like I didn't know what I wanted to do but I wanted to have parties and use my you know my culinary background to have these small very engaging di- dinner parties that I would host and you'd pay money to come and do and uh, I was taking pictures of my wife's um, like d40 Nikon you know bottom of the Wrong DSLR camera that she got for Christmas. I know she, exactly
1: what that is. <laughs> <Just> she, <kidding. laughs> I, she, my wife,
3: took photography as a, a, as a minor in college, I, and she is a great photographer. And I never had any desire to be a photographer. I was taking pictures, put them on Facebook in two thousand nine to drum up this side business, hopefully. And then people started to comment on the pictures, and they weren't really talking about the dinner party interest. They were saying, "Wow, you take good photos." and I, I didn't think much of it at the time, and um you know, thanks, Mom, and whatever like it wasn't it didn't mean much to <laughs> me and then somebody who I didn't know in person but just on Facebook sent me a message uh asking me what I' charge to take photographs and That's th- th- cool. he kind of i he assumed I was a photographer, and then I was like, hmm, wait a minute here and i I started to think about it as you know a side business you know I'd still be a restaurant consultant and cooking and stuff but maybe I would do some photography on the side but as I started to think more about it and I did a few of you know small things for friends for free just begging anybody i could to, you know let me come and shoot something uh a fire ignited and I just couldn't put it down and um the big I think the big shift for me was um I asked um susan Ungaro from the james beard foundation if i could shoot the james beard awards um just as an extra photographer nice. just to come and be a part of the event and you know shoot it. i've always gone to it but i wanted to sort of have play a role
0: mm-hmm.
3: and i was like you know i won't charge you anything but can i just come and do it and she was like sure so i rented a couple of cameras from a camera store <laughs> and i rented a camera strap i rented everything a flash camera strap mean i was fully bogged down with gear that i had no idea how to even really operate at the time and um I ran into um, Mario Vitali at the, the awards, and he was like, what's with the cameras? I'm like, oh, I'm a photographer now. And He's <laughs> like, oh, really?
4: <laughs> I said, yeah.
3: <laughs> that's what I'm going to do now. So, And then he was starting a foundation at the time, and uh, he's like, I got a foundation that's starting. We have an event in a few months, and then I learned that my friend Billy Harris was going to be a part of the event, so I talked to Billy about maybe let me come in, and shoot it again for free, again, you know, just – whatever i can do to help and i don't know i just sort of i fell in love with it right away taking a, a event photography and the liked it and he decided he wanted to keep me on as his foundation photographer and you know that when you get somebody like that out of the gate you know behind you you two things happen you're perceived to know way more than you do and i didn't know anything at all and you're also perceived to you know Be really good at because you know someone like him is you know he can get anybody he wants to to photograph whatever he he does. Um, So I spent countless hours on YouTube. I didn't read any (laughs) books.
1: That's where you got your education. Okay. I I mean,
3: for over a year on YouTube, six hours a night, learned everything I could learn about photography on YouTube.
1: Amazing. Well, you, I was as you were talking, I was thinking about having. You guys certainly—you have the eye for photography, or something. When you you see, you can you can be looking at an event, or you see the right angle to go at. And I find, for instance, like on Instagram, when I post pictures, I think every once in a while I post a picture. I'm like, That's, I got it! I got the angle! I got! <laughs> I got it! I got it! That's a good one. I get my 24 likes. I'm very happy. <laughs> and then I scroll through, and whenever I get to one of your pictures or a, a, a professional photographer's fi- picture always perfect and there's a difference there's a difference so whatever you've been reading you or
2: or, or your youtube a- university
3: yeah. <laughs> That's I, it, Melissa.
1: is that it because i think i i don't know i, I feel like there's this natural <laughs> natural skill you have but maybe i should just get on well, youtube well, is what I, you're no,
2: saying? I, I hope that you know most photographers who get into it have a natural eye for it. i mean i think we're visual people we we look at things and we not only look at them and pass by, but we kind of study it. I mean, there's also the great rule of thumbs whenever you're doing photography, which always help out beginners. I mean, the rule of thirds and just having, you know, isolating things and just looking for contrast, looking for color, looking for shapes. And those all resonate with people because it's familiar, it stands out. It's something that that really makes a difference. I mean, a lot of iPhone photography is a whole nother animal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think um, for Instagram, I mean, th- th- that's a new, completely its own new genre now. There are iPhone only photographers and it's just amazing what technology can do. I mean, it doesn't matter what tool you use. I think once you, you learn the rules and then you learn how to break them. That's the really exciting part. Yeah. Well,
3: I was the opposite. I broke all the rules before <laughs> they were rules. I was like, oh, there's rules there.
2: <laughs> that's a real
3: are,
1: rebel. They, they are talented very helpful. Rebel. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's amazing, Ken, that, you know, you, how you got your foot in the door and took on a job maybe you weren't completely sure you could do, but you learned how to do it, and you've you've excelled at that. It's Mm. called balls. (laughs) Very true. So with New York Magazine Melissa mm-hmm. what was how did you get that gig with them
2: that was a crazy story um i was i was uh, already halfway done with NYU i believe i was in school i was browsing craigslist looking for um Possible gigs, because I was doing the same thing. I was trying to own my skills and and farm out myself to anyone who would hire me for free. I mean, their cost is very low. Just let me shoot something, and I'll I'll do it. I'll do my best at it. And um, I came across, um, this is when, I I guess, the Internet was young. And they, they saw that the future of television was on the Internet, and they wanted to create a food channel online. And they were looking for, I guess, hosts They're looking for people to give ideas, looking for videographers to contribute anything. And it would be really, um, you know, a a DIY project and everyone's out for themselves. So I went to this meeting. It was pretty shady. It was in a random alley in Chinatown. It was raining and dark and cold. It's probably everything your parents tell you you shouldn't do. (laughs) And I I walked in and um, I mean, there were great people. And one of those great people was Josh Ozersky. He was um, the restaurant, I think, contributor for Newsday at that time. And um, he was still in between gigs and getting into food writing. And we all dropped our cards into a hat. And just out of just randomly, just out of sheer luck, he picked mine and called me up the next day and said that he was trying to get something going. And if I could work with him. And I did. It was a lot of fun stuff, a lot of very low-key, low-tech You know, food shoots and whatnot. But is is that I'm sorry, photography and video because he did video or Um, this was just photography. But he was also um, messing around with video at that time. And so nothing came of it. I mean, it was, it was a lot of good eats, a lot of good times, but um, uh, there was nothing substantial. But a few months later, he, I mean, he was very good to his word, very good to me. He said, you know, Melissa, whenever you graduate, if you need a job, I'll do my best to hook you up. And he really lived up to that. He landed, he was the first editor for Grub Street when right. that happened. And he really vouched for me because they had a, they had a, it was New York Magazine. They have a slew, an army of photographers willing to do things for them. But he said that I worked with Melissa. I really like her. I trust her. And I want to use her.
1: And it's worked out because yes. you've been with them for. A no- it's almost a long eight time. years now, yeah. Yeah, and I always see, I know one of your steady ones is doing that, that the daily diet. Yeah, the diet, New York which, diet, yes. Yeah, which is. I, I, it's a lot of fun. I, I try to read that every <laughs> week because it's, it's always a good read, it's very mm-hmm. interesting. All right, cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back on All in the Industry and Heritage Radio Network.
4: USA is proud to announce our Heritage Rare Breed Chicken Rotation. We've partnered with Frank Reese, the country's preeminent poultry farmer, to create an alternative market for non industry bred chicken and show our customers what real chicken tastes like. Frank's chickens look and taste different from commodity poultry. They have not been genetically manipulated or pumped with antibiotics to increase their growth rate. Frank breeds and hatches his own birds so he can guarantee the finest animal welfare from start to finish. Every three months, Heritage Foods USA will offer a new, rare breed of chicken on our website and at the Heritage Meat Shop. Our inaugural variety is the Colombian Wyandotte. These birds are good for frying and are sought after for their fine texture, taste, and healthy lipid, fine yellow fat. Heritage Foods USA is the only place you can taste these special heritage birds. Order today at heritagefoodsusa.com.
1: Yay. Hi, welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. Today we're talking restaurant and food photography with Melissa Holm and Ken Goodman. So I wanted to see, so why both of you work with restaurants and, and, and chefs, like what's the draw for that versus photographing something else?
3: Well, for me, I am a chef, so um, it was natural for me to use that already built-in rolodex of, of friends and acquaintances um, to get myself in the door. Right. You know, if you already you already liked me and you know, we worked together and done something in the past as when I was wearing a white coat, it's just now I'm carrying cameras and let's we can still hang out and have a good time. And so that was it was easier for me to do it that way. And I also shoot music because I the two things I love are food and music. So I, I just. Decided that I wanted to focus narrowly on those two areas um, because I don't think I'd be happy photographing horses because I don't really, you know, (laughs) NASCAR. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. And I said, (laughs) I'm not going to work for anybody because I don't want to go on assignments and I don't want to do things that are outside my comfort zone. I just want to focus on those two areas and make the best of it. And it's working out.
2: It certainly is. And what about you, Melissa? I I loved food. I mean, I was always an awkward child, so my only way to relate to people and not be awkward was through eating. <laughs> and I, I mean, I think it's the universal language. So it's just the act of sharing a meal, coffee, tea. I mean, that's why we say that, like, let's go mm-hmm. out for coffee. It's a way to bond. So it was really my way to really. Um, to to experience different cultures and meet different people and really, I guess, absorb who they were and personalities. I really just really liked the act of that. So when I was going to journalism, it was just very natural. Like, what subject would I most want to write about? And it was food. It was culture, food, people, experiences, you know, their passions. And I I just love the restaurant industry. I mean, I'm married to a chef, so it's kind of, (laughs) I'm stuck there for life, but, um, I really love the intensity and the passion. I mean, the, the, they're, a lot, they're very hard-working people. I mean, it's intense. And I really thrive in that environment because it, you have the, the outside front, which is all calm and cool. You have white tables. Everything's polished. And back there, it's just frantic. And chaos. It's, <laughs> I, I love it, though. But it's organized chaos. Yeah, and, true, you know, true. It's a well-oiled machine. And they produce delicious food day in and day out. And they... they, they it's a hospitality industry where they just want to take care of people.
1: Absolutely, I don't know if I knew your husband was a chef.
2: He is. He's uh, he's right now with LDB Hospitality. Oh, and awesome. uh, he's running the Diamond Horseshoe right now.
1: Oh, very cool. <laughs> I haven't been there yet, but um, it's a crazy show. <laughs> I would like to check it out. Yeah, it sounds it sounds very cool, and. Um, So what are the challenges of working with chefs and restaurants? I mean, is it, or and also with Ken, I was thinking with live events. Is there that pressure to get the shot? You know, things are are moving. (laughs) The rock stars walking by you with Mario (laughs) Batali, Jimmy Fallon's, you know, giving a speech, and you have to, like, get that angle.
3: I've learned um, through doing events, especially when they're star-studded like um, they can be sometimes, is when not to take the picture um I, I tended to at first you know wanted to shoot every single thing that was happening and it it doesn't need to happen that way and i think you know what makes um me you know palatable to be in the room with the camera is that i just choose my spots wisely and i don't overshoot things and uh meyer was always said like you know he doesn't he never feels like i'm trying to fill my portfolio um i just shoot what's necessary and yeah. um make those count and before when before i knew enough i would what's it called spray and spray and pray like i would shoot (laughs) like take three thousand pictures hoping to get 100 that were awesome and because i didn't know enough about you know how to set the camera properly and make adjustments as i want so once i understood all that and technology behind the camera i could take much less photos and have um, you know a higher ratio of really good quality images that would uh, last
1: every once in a while i do that <laughs> I have to admit. I do. There's that. Well, I'll just take a couple more. One of them will come out right. Yeah. yeah.
3: But I think that's it for me. Is I, I really learned how to, you know, just be, be there without being seen a lot and, and take the images that are going to count and not overshoot things. And um, I think that works for me.
1: Yeah, it, it does. And what about
2: with, with food and restaurants? Is it, I mean, food photography is tough. It has a lifespan and it's very short, so um, mm-hmm. you have to work quickly. I would I would advise you know always set up early, earlier than earlier than they expect you, and use. You know, holders in place so you know what you're shooting and what angles you're going to get at it because once it's there and it's dripping or it's melting, you, you have a very short time to shoot it. And so it's working quickly. It's, uh, you know, a lot of it's experience. I mean, it wasn't always perfect. So you learn from those mistakes. I mean, one time if an ice cream is, you know, melting way too fast and you don't get the shot, you know what to do next time to not let that happen.
1: Yeah, well, I dabbled in food styling a long time ago. As as an assistant food stylist, and it was it was quite fascinating. But to see, I think nowadays it's it's become this more natural look for photography mm-hmm. than I think back in the day when they were doing food styling, there was that gluing parts <laughs> together
3: or whatever. Oh God, yeah,
1: you're making things that weren't edible. I but. won't
3: I won't shoot any food that I can't eat or serve for me afterwards. I'm I, I, I tell chefs, you know, if if the steak's mid rare, cook it to steak to a mid-rare because that steak looks a certain way when it's when it's reached that temperature internally. And I can always tell when, when a food image is just shot with marks on the top of the steak and it's not really authentically th- This mid-rare. is how you know
2: your cook's cook because real chefs know that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. th- that real food looks good. You don't have to fake it. Yeah. And I actually don't encounter a lot of... Um, fake propping glue or motor oil in New York City restaurants <laughs> because New York City chefs, I mean, they have so much pride in what they do that what they make can be edible and delicious looking mm-hmm. that it doesn't, you don't have to fake it. I mean, it's more of the commercial stuff, I would say yeah. that, you know, uses the glues and, you know.
1: Yeah, I agree. Wax, hairspray. And actually, this is a, a good segue into last week I had on uh, Pat Lafrida.
3: The man. The
1: man Mm -hmm. from Pat LaFrieder Meat Purveyors. And I asked him to ask you guys a question. And so his question was, food photography is difficult, especially shooting meat and raw meat. Mm. Colors often don't look right. And he said on Instagram, they don't look right. (laughs) Can you give me some tips for for taking photos of meat and getting the colors right? And we were also talking about the internal look of steak. Because I mentioned even... I think it's even taking a finished piece uh, picture of a piece of steak. I've found that that's challenging. He was talking also about cutting into the steak and the meat, so mm. what your tips are, and he also mentioned Melissa that you took some of his first photos. I did. So so tell us how do you take a good picture of meat?: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Does he mean on Instagram or like in general?
1: He mentioned Instagram, but I think I think. Well, I think now now what people like me were taking photos on iPhone, we're using Instagram because it helps you mm-hmm. it helps you make the picture look prettier. But you're the professional photographer, so how however you want to answer it, you know, you're using a, a good camera versus well, an, a phone.
3: But if you're gonna use a phone, like I use editing tools, editing applications on my iPhone so that I don't just take the picture and put it on Instagram. I take the picture and then I got to put it into like Photo Toaster and or Ooh. another app like that and adjust the contrast and everything else and the tones so that once it goes on Instagram and it has my watermark on the bottom of it, which I watermark every picture I put on social media. <laughs> I try to. Um, it's it's already been you know tweaked and edited even if it's an iPhone picture. So if, you know yeah. we're shooting with big expensive fancy cameras and we're shooting in RAW and we have. Fancy editing uh, software mm-hmm. in our computers, like Lightroom, to really make sure the color corrections are, are, are proper. And you know, we color correct our monitors all the time, and to make sure that you know we're really, you know, the yellows are true yellows and reds are true reds. So that helps a lot when you have all that technology behind you to make the image as true to life as possible.
2: So, so oh, go ahead. No, so I, I do think that's number one. Just make sure your your colors are correct. I mean, know what color. I mean, it's hard for regular folks. I guess. <laughs> The yes, that's regular folks.
4: Pedestrians out there.
2: <laughs> but, I mean, it's very simple. I mean, you learn this, I think, in chemistry or what is that? <laughs> that YouTube. In high school, YouTube. There you go. <laughs> but you have color temperatures that are measured in Kelvin. So you have, you know, usually most cameras start at 2,500, which is what we call cold or blue kind of a light, which is, you know, like before dawn you know, everything's kind of tinged with blue before the sun gets up. And then you have very golden, warm lights, which are closer to like the 7,000 Kelvin mm. spectrum, which are, you know, that golden light that's very warm, very orange. And then you have all these unnatural, you know, let's say you have fluorescent lighting, that, which reads a little bit green. So you have to know what, what your light source is and what color it is. And then once you know that, even with when it's a cell phone shot or mm. in Photoshop Lightroom, you can correct for that. Um, and that's how you get, your steak to not look at least black
1: so pat and i need to go back to school for (laughs) chemistry is what you're saying
2: (laughs) youtube youtube's fine and but but yeah no that's and i would say shooting on white that's if you're just shooting a plain raw chunk of meat i think minimalism really helps there because that way on white there's nothing else to really interfere or distract you You, and you'll just see red and you know glorious fat (laughs)
1: Good to know and but with the i i do use some apps on my phone sometimes to with instagram before mm-hmm. and try and tweak it so what are some of the ones you use can i that we should i know gravitate about?
3: towards photo toaster
1: see i don't know that one
3: um it just has a lot of and, and sort of inherent sliders I, i'm used to sliders in like lightroom so it, it has that sort of um, platform and I think it, you like
1: sliders because you're thinking of the meat and burgers <laughs> right. mm. um, it's
3: just a way you can make the adjustments on okay. that, on the, in that app and it, there's a lot of you can do a lot with with the color temperature and with you know uh, midtones and and darks and so you can get really really good well done uh, color corrected images pretty fast with photo toaster so i use that
1: Cool. I'm gonna try that one. I think the one I've I've used is um, Snapseed. Sna- yeah, it's also, that's another. That's, that's a great one too. Yeah, but I don't know how to use it.
2: I just keep <laughs> clicking like the check mark and moving it around. <laughs> it's until a little it- more advanced. It's one of the few ones that allow you to spot correct yeah. The image. Yeah. See, that's that's one of the buttons I don't I <laughs> don't hit. I do the auto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think Afterlight is really good too.
1: Okay. Cool. I don't know that one either. All right. Great. We're going to take another break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to do my speed round and talk some industry news. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network.
0: like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today.
1: Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guests today are Melissa Holm and Ken Goodman. Okay, now it's time for my speed round questions. So, Ken and Melissa, I'm just going to name a few, go through a, a list of choices, things related to the hospitality industry, and you just name which, 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 which is your preference, whatever comes to mind, such as hamburger or hot dog. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah, it's 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 not. You're, you'll be okay. <laughs> People, I think I'm not going to lose to Melissa. <laughs> no, there's no there's no there winner. We're, we're, I don't know. We could have we could have a contest, but there's no there's no winner. We're all winners here. <laughs> uh, but we'll let Melissa Melissa go first. Ladies first. So here we go. <laughs> eat in or eat out.
2: Eat in.
3: Eat in.
1: Wine, beer, or cocktail.
2: Milk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bit okay. alcohol. Sorry. <laughs>
1: I didn't know that. Very cool. Milk it is.
3: I don't drink these days, but I would say if, if I were, it would be wine.
4: High five.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't either, by the way. All right. Um, tasting menu or a la carte?
2: A la carte.
3: Oh, man. That's a tough one because I, I do. I like the tasting menu, but I know it's getting a little saturated. But if, a good, if it's a good one, I like the tasting menu.
2: Okay. It's a three-hour commitment
3: though <laughs> you know.
1: how about small plates or large plates large plates
3: i like small plates
1: uptown or downtown 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 <laughs> restaurants or bars restaurant restaurant black and white photography or color color
3: uh color for most everything
1: for food I mean black and white well hold. yeah for food, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for food. But, but Ken you've done some I always I like, like black your and, black and white shots yeah.
3: I like people in black yeah. and white sometimes um, you know people's skin tones and stuff you know mm-hmm. when they're sweating in an event I can, I can make them look better in black and white so <laughs> it's really for them not for me <laughs>
1: yeah I would think food though is very challenging for black and white yeah, yeah. all right how about natural light or studio lighting natural when possible
3: natural is always the, the number one choice
1: Celebrity or celebrity chef? Celebrity
3: chef. I don't understand. What I like better?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Or what do you like shooting? or.
3: <laughs> well, you know, I'd say celebrity chefs because, you know, they're my people.
1: Dessert or cheese plate? Dessert. Dessert. Last one, Manhattan or Brooklyn. Brooklyn.
3: We're in Brooklyn, right?
1: Yeah, but they're not going <laughs> to kick you out if you say Manhattan.
3: No, I dig. I, I don't get here enough, but I really dig Brooklyn. Yeah.
1: All right. Here's to Brooklyn. Cool. You both win. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's just my radio game. <laughs> I, have to, you, good. I have to spice it up here. What does
2: it mean? Do I have a personality
1: trait now? Yeah. Like, is I don't right? know. I think. I think I'm at some point. I'm going to have to go back and and tally all the answers. Via, because it's interesting. A lot of people answered. Actually, it started out people were more the eat-out, and now I'm getting more eat-ins. So I mean,
2: I don't like being rushed. I like to be in my sweats.
3: <laughs> I, I have two kids and a wife, and I love cooking <laughs> for them. And,
2: and you have a chef at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about?
1: <laughs> okay, cool. So now for restaurant industry news of the week, a little discussion. So one of the things was... Um, this past weekend was the TEDx Manhattan conference, and I know Ken, you I shot at it? that. Yeah. And I was home doing work and watching on the live feed. And I mean, there were they were all very good good talks, and one of them was Tom Colicchio. Um, I just Epicurus wrote. Uh, there was an article about about the conference. And the conference was called Changing the Way We Eat. And so Epicurious uh, wrote down some of the quotes from it. And one of them was from Tom Colicchio. And it said, people are not hungry because we don't produce enough food. People are hungry for political reasons. And then he had this whole hashtag vote food. Mm-hmm. And it was on Twitter. And they think it created a, a good buzz. So what was it like being there?
3: Uh, it's my second year shooting the event. And it's incredibly inspiring because everyone that gets on that stage has something really valid and amazing to talk about and the way they focus on ted of manhattan it really is a, a food uh tedx discussion and that's i think that's the theme in manhattan every year and it will remain so and what tom was talking about in particular um that, that is exactly what the problem is, and, and people like, like Tom and like Billy Shore and Debbie Shore from Share Our Strength and a host of others that um, are deeply involved in trying to end this issue of hunger in America, especially as it uh, as relates to children, um, know that it's not a food issue, it is a political issue. And um, so Tom actually goes down and, and speaks to Congress, and uh, many others like him have done the same thing and lend their voice to try and make the change happen, but it's a very, very slow, slow process.
1: Yeah, it seems so. But he was a good, he was a really good speaker. They were all good.
3: He said he told me that he psyched himself out. He was he was pacing back and forth a lot, um, <laughs> but he didn't lose he didn't lose focus on what his message was, and I thought he did a great job.
1: But you know, when you were watching on video, I saw him pacing, but it didn't seem it didn't seem rushed or anything. It just seemed like he was kind of just moving. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he was he was working it a little bit. Struggling. <laughs> Got it. Did you see that, Melissa? Or no, I didn't, no, I didn't. You were out probably shooting some food <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> okay, well, uh, there was... Everyone, I think, was watching the Oscars I don't know, Sunday night, and... I figured I'd bring it up because when else would I get to mention Brad Pitt on my show? (laughs) So um, New York Magazine wrote wrote about how the Oscars cameo gave the pizza joint that brought the pizza to all the celebrities, it gave them a 500% bump in online orders. I just figured I'd mention that as a shout out to Big Mama's and Papa's Pizzeria, that very good (laughs) marketing PR there. And I have no idea how that came about. But you know how they got that pizza place, but
2: were you watching? Yes, and I'm glad that Ellen didn't called up a small spot instead of you know like Domino's and right. And now we know that Brad Pitt likes pepperoni.
3: And it seems it <laughs> seems I don't know it seemed pretty spontaneous the way it all happened. I'm sure there was some sort of pre planning involved, but the way she presented it live, I thought it, <laughs> seemed, it seemed pretty genuine, and I thought it was very funny how some people did take the pizza and eat it and dressed up how they were and wearing. <laughs> You know very fancy gowns and weren't afraid to take a bite of pizza
1: yeah no true and then the other big buzz was with the group selfie that they all took and I, i mean i've taken a selfie i've never tried a group one but i'm amazed they got that many people in that shot yeah most
2: retweeted picture ever. I yeah. retweeted it right away.
3: I I love the fact that I you know she did that live on a show and then right yeah. away I went to Twitter and there it was and the retweet. I mean that's just how amazing, it's relatable. It's how people are. Yeah, She's it's just real. how it's how we've yeah. become.
1: It was very it was very cool, and I don't know I don't know. Do you do you have tips on how to do a, a group selfie?
2: Um,
1: have a long arm like she said. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Have Bradley Cooper take it.
4: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Good good tip.
1: <laughs> okay, now another article was in the New York Times Today. Robert Simonson wrote about uh, these new cocktails that are coming out in as... Well, he was specifically writing about Wiley Dufresne's um, Alder, that they offer a cocktail as a regular size or a short. So the article is called The, the Moderate Thirst or Budget, and... I thought it was interesting because he was saying how you can go to a place and get a half glass of wine or yeah, a, a, t- a sampling of whiskey, but really you can't get a half cocktail. But I don't know. I, what was interesting, though, the, he was saying these cocktails are the pre-mixed ones on draft. And mm-hmm. I don't know how common that is. I haven't seen it that much. I
3: just, I just did all of uh, the drink photos for Toro, New York, and um, nice. they, have, they have several, um, they have a selection of um, beverages available, alcoholic beverages available on tap. And there's also a a big chalkboard that says cocktails on tap on it. So I'm not sure how, if it's a trend yet, or or, you know, how many people are picking up on this fact. But um, what I did find, which is interesting when I shot those images, is that, first of all, the, the cocktails are very inventive and creative, and, they're you know, um, bartenders and mixologists, some li- don't let me call that, but um, they're really using a lot of uh, savory ingredients and herbs and spices and really making the cocktails, um, the, f- the flavor burst you're getting now from these cocktails. Not that I'm drinking them, but I can smell how amazing mm-hmm. they must taste. Um, and they, they come in all different sizes. So, you know, some of them were in short glasses, some were in like, tall highballs. Um, so I really can't tell, based on what the drink is, how much th- uh, you're getting, or why it's in a certain glass, or if that's going to pose a problem, certainly a half of that, you know, you're gonna, if the if drink gets served in a tall boy uh, uh, or highball and you want a half it, is it going to come, is the highball half full or is it going to come into a, 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 a rocks glass of some sort? Right. So I don't know how they, you know, what the vehicles are to, to make that accommodation happen, but I'm more celebrating the fact that cocktails in these restaurants are really a, just a step above now.
2: Well, I like, I like that idea, though. I have a lot of you know lightweight friends who rather <laughs> ta- who taste you know, rather taste a little more rather than drink you know be so committed to one ten ounce drink. And I've seen a lot more wines on tap. I've never mm-hmm. seen cocktails on tap yet, but I think pre mixed cocktails are a pretty good idea, or partially pre mixed, and then you just finish it off with you know bitters or whatnot. I mean, that seems like a really a, a good. A good solution to overcrowded New York bars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. And I think I think it is a
1: new trend. I think we're going to see more of it. So,
2: I mean, Starbucks has a short. No one word's getting out that they have a smaller <laughs> size than small or tall, whatever.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's funny. Whenever I go, go get coffee at a place not not a Starbucks, I always <laughs> I have the Starbucks lingo in my head. And I'm like, just a small. Always, You know, you want to say a tall or a shorter. Or- I refuse to use it. I say small, medium, or large. And my they always correct me. And I'm like, <laughs> I even want a small. <laughs> the rebel. <laughs> very cool. Okay. Um, the last thing I just wanted to mention was on Eater, Five Things You Missed on Heritage Radio, episode eight, number two, with Pat LaFrieda, my show last week, was on there. So I just wanted to Neat. thank. Awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. Very cool. So thank you, Peter Henry and Layla, kabiri for including us okay we're gonna take one more break and we will be right back with my solo dining experience on all in the industry on heritage radio network Back to all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience of the week. Okay, so late last week I was at a lovely breakfast breakfast gathering downtown that Arlene Blake did, and I walked in, and who was shooting it? But <laughs> Ken over here. I think I gave a little shriek when I was so excited to see him. <laughs> um, so it was down at Boule Botanical, and. Uh, I was I was a little too it was lovely and I was a little too busy chatting than to eat. So afterward, I walked up the block. Well, first I stopped at La Colombe. I had um, a coffee there. It did not say tall. I ordered small, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, I did some work. And then I headed over to Lottery which is a French restaurant uh, that just opened in Soho, and they're known for their macaroons. They have an Upper East Side boutique that opened a few years ago, and this was a second location. That's really a full service restaurant, and it was it's in the space that was Barolo, and you wouldn't have recognized it because they really divided up the space uh, with with some individual saloons or salons. Sorry, and uh, it's a full service restaurant, and it's it's beautiful. So, I had a lady lunch, I guess you'd call it, which I don't know if anyone has ever used that term before. It's always ladies who lunch, but it's a lady lunch because they had this wonderful fine selection of teas, and I got the Marie Antoinette black tea, particularly because I like the name, <laughs> and I had salmon, which was, was very good. I enjoyed it. Surface was a little slow at the beginning, but I think it was because of the rush at lunch, and then... Uh, it got better as my meal went on, and I think I think it will it will continue to improve um, because my waitress was really lovely and she asked if I wanted dessert, and I said, well, why don't you surprise me with a macaroon? So she brought me a chocolate coconut one. Not sure how she knew I liked cho- chocolate, but she did, and it was great. So I will be back. I I, I would recommend it if you want to you know go for a leisurely lunch and have some tea some macaroons uh, and you can find out more information there at lotteryusa.com okay so we're getting near the end of the show but it's time for the final question which Ken and Melissa either both of you can ask a question or one of you but so next week on my show it's going to we're doing uh, restaurant websites is the topic mm-hmm. and I have on Crystal Mobigiani of Bento Box which is she's, she's she launched this um, service last year and she's very uh, she's really focusing just on restaurant websites um, and so she's going to be my guest so what should I ask her anything in particular
3: um, does she need a photographer?
1: <laughs> Alright <laughs> she probably
3: does <laughs> um I, was, I, was, I thought I was going to give advice. you advice. Do you want to ask her a question? That, that no, I'm
1: going to ask her a question like Pat asked you a question.
4: I see, um, I see.
2: But you can give, if you have some advice, we can. <laughs> I can also... i like, heard of Bento Box. Uh, when I shot with David Burke, I believe they were using it. Possi- possibly. I know she's doing uh, the meatball shop, mm-hmm. and then she
1: also is working with uh, John Dory and that restaurant group.
2: So it's, it's really neat. I looked at the website. It seemed to, to replace a lot of jobs. So like they have uh, they'll collect your PR so that you have all your press clips together and you may not need a, a, a PR person and they have, um, Uh-oh. A, a calendar, <laughs> an online calendar so that you can kind of, you don't need a, a specialized person dedicated for managing your, your events. And what else did they have? They had one more really neat thing. Um, Social media stuff, like, they'll, they'll handle that all for you. And I think, um, oh, they get they get rid of the middleman of the the web designer. I think they design your websites, and it will be compatible compatible across all platforms, like iPad and mobile and web. So with all the jobs they're eliminating, I'm just wondering how much money that they plan to save a restaurant when, when they use them, and who actually picks up the extra work? Is it a general manager? Is it the owner who's supposed to, I guess, be managing the bento box from then on? Just wondering how it works. Oh, that's
1: not to say Ken's question wasn't great.
3: But that's a very good question. What what Melissa said. (laughs) But when you said that, you know... um,
2: And they do need photos because a lot of them, they install like an outside menu box that Mm -hmm. changes. It's like a TV screen and they flash the whole menu. So, of course, they want gorgeous photos to lure people in. And they they have the menu scrolling. So it's really neat. I have seen it around.
3: I wonder also what what her take is on... um, website designers in general and do restaurants restaurants are coming away from that some of them doing their own internal stuff, so they can can add content easier and faster on their own once they get a template in place and um, you know where does she see the role of a website designer in terms of restaurant websites Mm -hmm. Um, if that's something a a job that's maybe not as necessary as it it was 10 years ago yeah
2: no
1: no. don't say that well (laughs) I'm I'm very and there's you need a photographer (laughs) You got it. I, I'm interested to talk to her because I think websites for restaurants have changed a lot since since I started working in the in the industry. And they started with so much flash and buzz and music to be cool.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and now it's going simpler. And restaurant websites have also been criticized a lot as far as like, a general genre of industry like, because of that. Because you can't... There are you, no phone numbers anymore. You can't find the information you need. Yeah. You know? So... I think what she's doing is very cool, and um, I will ask her that. So, thank you very much, and thank you guys for coming out here thank today. You for Thanks us. for
3: having us. You're welcome. This was fun.
1: <laughs> no, it was great to see I both of you. I was so psyched you. to meet,
3: finally meet Melissa. I'm a That's huge, pizza. huge fan. <laughs> it smells it. like pizza.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm glad I got to introduce you two too, because yeah. you knew each other, you know, think by name, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By photos. By, by-line. by photos. <laughs> excellent okay so melissa we can you can find her at melissa home.com at melissa home on twitter at melissa underscore home on instagram and ken is at ken goodman and at ken goodman photo on twitter and instagram and facebook and facebook
3: anything else got it that's it <laughs> that's all i can manage
1: it's a lot.
2: You don't put out your home address there? <laughs>
1: <laughs> For me, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at All Industry, at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, and my website's bayerpublicrelations.com. Now, if you miss this live broadcast, you can find us archived on heritageradionetwork.org and on Stitcher. Thanks to my engineer, Evan, Aaron Fairbanks, and Jack Inslee. I hope you enjoyed this episode of All in the Industry on Heritage, Heritage Radio Network. This is Sherry Bayer. Thanks for listening. Till next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Have a good one. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio.